0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now, we've been speaking about a topic called Surrounded. And um, and the topic should be more important to the body of Christ, but as I go along, I don't see the importance of it in people's lives or sometimes in church as well. With this topic, we actually look at God's presence, the necessity of God's presence, the power of God's presence in our lives. Then we've been speaking about this for the last two weeks, and it's going to be this week. Next week we'll, we'll be finished. But by for, for those of you who haven't been here, I, I want to catch you up what we've been speaking about. Week one, we spoke about, we tried to define... We define God's presence, the presence of God. Now, anybody said to me this week, it's like, what can you actually define God's presence? You can't really, but by theory and by theology, you can. So God's presence can be defined as the following. It's, it's three, three kind of ways. Firstly, we've got the omnipresence. That means that God is everywhere, wherever we go. God Um, uh, inhabits everything in this earth. Then we've got the inner presence. That means that we are filled with the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit comes and fills you, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. But then we've got the manifest presence. That means when God makes His presence known among us. That's when God's presence come down. And sometimes when the Israelites, they saw a cloud of God's presence coming down. Or I've been in services where where, uh, we saw gold dust. You see so many things when God's presence manifests. And um, and we spoke about that in week one. And how does it look? Why do we need God's manifest presence in our lives? Then last week, we spoke about when God desires to be close to us. Do you know that God desires to be close to you? And God wants us to draw near to Him, and we spoke about that last week, that that is God's heart's cry, for us to come close to Him, because He's got such a passion. He will never force Himself on us, He will always wait for us to draw closer. So today our topic is the following, and I want to go on, and I want to speak about our entryway our entryway. How do I enter God's presence? And, and, and it's going to be a bit of a different kind of sermon that probably you haven't heard before, but I know it's going to bless you this morning, and we're going to dive into the scriptures this morning, and you're going to see some things in the scriptures that you've never seen before, because I've never seen it before. I was so so excited, and it's amazing. Now today, I want to look at one of the most influential kings in the Old Testament, called King Solomon. Now, when we speak about King Solomon, what is the one thing that everyone knows about him? We know that he was the wisest king ever who ever lived. And we also know that when God asked him to choose anything, what did he choose? Wisdom. He didn't choose anything else, he chose wisdom. But do we know why he chose that? It's quite a good question, isn't it? Why did Solomon choose that? when he could have chosen anything on earth? Why did he choose wisdom above all else? Now, if we read the Scriptures, we see Solomon actually gives us a reason why. Did you know that? Now, let's read it together. 1 Kings 3, verse 5 to 7, it says the following, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a child. I do not know how to go out, or to come in. So here we see the reason. Here's the reason why Solomon asked for wisdom. He basically said the following, he said, my father David knew to do something that I have no idea how to do. My father knew this thing, I have no idea how to do it. I don't know how to, to, to go out, and how to come in. I'm reading from a new new." Uh, from the New King James Version. So, 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 so now there's, there's so many times we read something in the Scriptures like this, and we have no idea what it means. Have you ever been there? But we need to remember that the Bible always defines itself. Do you know that? When you have this question in the Scriptures in the Bible, it always, somewhere in the Scriptures, the Bible will define itself. So if you go through the Bible, we see this phrase, many times in Scripture. Go out and come in. Now, let's look at a few. Is it okay? Just for you to show you. So, in the book of Numbers, we look at Moses, and it's also Old Testament, but we look at Moses, and Moses was praying for his successor. He was old. He was busy praying. He said, Lord, I need a successor. You need to set someone up, and, and he asked God this one thing. He said, Lord, if it is at all possible, That my successor could do this, just this one super important thing. Look what he said, Numbers 27, verse 15 to 17. He says, Then Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord God of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation, who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep without a shepherd. Interesting, isn't it? Look at when Moses also said when he did his retirement speech. Moses said the following. A few chapters on, he said, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. He said, I can no longer go out and come in. It's intriguing, isn't it? So Moses says, here's the reason I'm retiring. I can no longer go out or come in. Very important. If you go to Deuteronomy 28, we all know this and quote this and notice. They say, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. Now this doesn't mean leaving your house, coming to your house, and leaving your house. It doesn't mean that. If you look at Jesus... Jesus also spoke about this in John 10 verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Even Jesus referred to this phrase in the New Testament. So what does this phrase mean? What does it mean when the Bible says going out and coming in? And, and as we said, the Bible always defines itself, right? Right? So thank you for Google and all the commentaries and all the stuff that we can go and search the Bible. So much more complex these days. But I, I got to the conclusion. So if you go to Joshua, the book of Joshua, Joshua and Caleb had a conversation. And Caleb said to Joshua the following, As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now my strength is my strength for war. Both going out and coming in. So we see clearly Caleb speaking to Joshua, and this phrase was used during war. It was a war phrase. You see, coming in and going out was a military term used in the Old Testament. A military term. Now remember that everything in the Old Testament represents something spiritual in our lives. If you think, uh, if if you if you know how to read the Old Testament, there's always a spiritual connotation that God uses in our lives. So, so let me ask this basic question: Knowing this, are we still in a spiritual war? Yes. (laughs) Do we have an enemy? Yes. So now you know where I'm going. See, so 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 we need to know how to go out to war against the enemy, and we need to know how to come in after war. We need to know. Now in 1 Samuel 18, we read about David. And we're going to King Solomon's father. And and remember that Solomon said that my father knew how to do this thing that I don't know, that I need to learn how to do. Remember that? So let's read together 1 Samuel 18. And I'm reading 1 Samuel 18, verse 12 to 16, and we're going to focus on that for the rest of the sermon. But let's read it first. It says, Now Saul was afraid of David. Now this was before David was king. Saul was still king. So Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. But he departed from Saul, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him his captain over thousands. And he went out, and he came in before the people. And David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Jehovah loved David, because he went out, and he came in before them. Powerful, isn't it? Okay, so... So we know that this refers to war, right? This was why we go out. They went out to war. But let's just today, I want to focus on just the coming inside. We all know that we need to go out to war against the enemy. We know we're going out and there's an enemy that comes against us. But how much do we know about the coming in? Because that's the most important part. So why did they come, why did they come in from war? And what did they do when they came in? It's a very important question. Why did they come in from war and what did they do when they came in? Now there's only one reason that they came in. Because what they did is they came to worship. They came to worship. They came back to the house of God. They came to worship after war. No matter where the war was, if they won it or they lost it, they always came back to the house of God first. That's what they did. Now let's quickly think about the church on weekends, or or maybe your quiet time during the week. If we just lost the war, or maybe we have struggled through sin in your life, what do we do? We come with a repentant heart before God, if you actually come. Or maybe, say, you have won the battle. You have won a battle, and, and you saw victory What do we do? We come and we rejoice before God. We come and we rejoice. Or maybe you're still in the middle of a battle. You're in the middle of a challenge in your life. What do we do? We come into God's presence and we are being refreshed in God's house. That's why we come. That's why it's so necessary to come. So today I want to look at, and it's not going to be a long, long, long sermon, But I want to look at three things that happens in our lives when we come in and worship. Three things that happens to us, that comes into our lives when we come to worship. Number one is the following. Worship brings God's presence into our lives. It brings God's presence into your life. We spoke about that week one. That's so important to to have a constant habit to worship Wherever you are, if it's in your car, it's in your house, wherever you go, we need God's presence. But worship is an avenue. So let's go back to 1 Samuel 18. Look at the first verse, verse 12. It says, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Look at verse 14. It says, And David behaved wisely in all these ways because the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. See, God was with David. He was in God's presence. See, what made David a great king was that he was a worshiper. When he was a young man, 15 years old, he was in the field tending to sheep. What was he What w- were he doing? He was playing his harp, writing songs, worshiping God. He had, a, he had a habit to worship God. He had a habit to focus on, on Lord, I need your presence in my life. You see, David, David was a great king, not because he knew how to go out, and he did knew how to go out, but he because he knew how to come in. David knew how to come in, come back into God's presence. And what we as believers need to understand is that we don't go out from the presence. This is very important. We go with the presence. Some of us come to church and we come into the presence of God because we're fellowshipping, we're worshipping, and then we go out of the presence. But that's not right. We go with the presence. We take the presence with us. You see, most people think that Jesus' last words was to go. But it's not. Go and make disciples. Great commission. But that was not His last words. His last words weren't go. His last words was stay and receive power. Remember? Go was the great commission, but it was not his last words. His last words were says, I want you to stay, come in, receive the power so that you have the presence of God in your life, so that when you go out, man, that things happen. Because if we go before we stay, We have nothing to go with. Jesus wants us all to go out, but He knows that we need to come in first to receive. We need to receive more of Him. We need the presence of God in our lives. And come in is not what we just do on Sundays. We do it every day. It's an everyday thing. It's not just coming on Sundays quickly and come and get some presents or maybe um, get the presence of God or maybe when you open your Bible or when you maybe pray. No, no. It's an everyday thing that when you wake up, it's a coming into His presence. I mean, switching that radio on, playing that worship music, just getting into His presence and being refreshed. So that when I go out, that the demons tremble. Just think about it. Every day you go out for war. And you first come in to be filled up with His presence. And then you go out from His presence. Not, not from His presence, but with His presence into the world. Man, things happen. It was so amazing. On, on, on Friday morning, um, Salome took the kids to school. And I said, listen, I need to, I need to jump on the bike. I need to get into the mountain. I just need a refreshing. I need to refresh myself and my get my head clean and I so I was in the mountain and I was up up in Yonkersuk in the mountain and I was alone there was no cyclist it was like 9 o'clock what 8 o'clock 8.30 in the morning and um, because I was a late cycler all the earlier guys was been there and gone and I was up there in one of the trails and and I saw there's a guy up front he was chopping uh, he was cleaning the trail and one of the workers for the Stellenbosch Trail Fund and as I was coming closer, I could see he was limping like this. And he was cutting and limping. And I, I thought, oh, that's odd. And as I was going, as I wanted to go past him, before I caught myself, I stopped and I said, hey, um, why are you limping? He <laughs> said, no, no, he had a big rock that dropped on his, on his, on his leg as they're moving rocks. And, and now he's, they, they're having him up there just chopping the grass so he can't do heavy lifting. And I said, no, 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 but do you believe? He said, firstly, he said, no, no, he he doesn't believe. But I I realized he didn't know what I was meaning. So I said, "Um, but let me, can I pray for you? And he's like, what? I said, yeah, can I pray for you? Because God can heal that. And he said, yeah, okay, sure. So he walked up and you could see he was like, what are you doing? And so I just put my hand on his leg with my bike and just prayed like this. And I just say, Father, thank you. I command this muscle to be healed. And uh, and I turned around and he looked at me and I could see he, th- he was thinking seriously. Uh, I said, "Yeah, yeah, test it." And he like walking around and I could see there was like a little bit of change. I said, "Is it better?" He said, "No, yeah, it's still sore." I said, "Come back," and uh, I'll pray again. I said, "We believe in 100% healing." So I prayed again, and the second time I prayed, it, it doesn't happen often, but it has a, f- a few times. I could feel how the muscles jumped underneath my hand. It was quite amazing. And uh, and when I took my hand off, quick prayer, just Father, thank you. I turned around and he walked and he turned around and he looked at me and I could see something happened. I said, "How is it? 80 percent healed?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's almost." Almost. I said, "Come last time," and I prayed the last time. And as he turned around, he was like shaking his leg, walking normally. And I said, "Are you coming to? Ch- are you going to church?" "Yeah, yeah, I'm in." Mean, "Come Monday. I said, "Go and testify on Sunday." And I jumped on my bike and I enjoyed my cycle. And I realized, Lord, come on, we need to take the presence of God with us. I mean, we can't just drive past people that's hurting, painful, that need hugs, that need prayer, that need some some thing in their lives. We need to take the presence of God with us. But we grew up with the mentality that we come to God's presence and we leave. But I'll come back next week. But see, that's a mentality we need to change. That, that, that's a religious mentality that says, I need to go to the presence of God. Fellowshiping in church. But that's not right. We walk in God's presence every minute, every second of every day in our lives. We're taking the presence with us. You see, worship brings His presence into our lives when we come in. Number two. So what does worship bring? In our lives. Worship brings the fear of God into our lives. And it's not like you think. Let's look at the scripture. 1, 1 Samuel 18 verse 12. says again, Now Saul was afraid of David. He was afraid of David. But because the Lord was with him. Because he had an evil spirit on him. God departed from him. You see Saul, God was not with him anymore. And this is not the fear of God I, I, we all have heard before. We heard sermons before. We, if I talk about the fear of God, this is not the one that, I'm, that, that you may be referring to. I'm talking about what we as believers carry in our lives. You see, God has left Saul and an evil spirit came on him. And Saul was afraid of David because God was on David. David. And this was the evil spirit on Saul that was afraid of David. That evil spirit was actually afraid of the presence of God on him. We might be in a spiritual war, but think about Jesus walking with us every day of your life. You might be walking in the toughest storm, the toughest challenge, the biggest war spiritually in your life. Think about it, Jesus walking with you. Would you be thinking about the spiritual world differently? You see, when we are afraid of demons and spirits and stuff, we need to go back and say, Lord, but who's walking with me? You see, demons are trembling, spirits are trembling, things in the, na- in the supernatural realm are trembling because of the power and the presence of God who is w- which is with us. We should not be afraid of the supernatural and the spiritual because God is the almighty power. The spirits and the demons, they are afraid of what we're carrying. It brings the fear of God into that realm. Because of what we carry in our lives. When we step into that presence of God, it's so amazing. When when Abram was up and um, writing the, the Ten Commandments with God. He came down and his face was shining with the presence of God. The people were afraid because they were in sin. They were not in the presence of God. And and usually sin, it trembles before the presence of God. And it makes us change the way we think about what we carry in our lives. I don't know about you, but every morning I walk out of my house, I make sure there's worship, and we pray, and if I didn't, i pray in the car, I I make sure I connect and draw near to God, and what I carry with me, no matter where I step into, it, it has to have more authority than the darkness. When light steps into darkness, the darkness cannot comprehend it. If God's presence is on us, no matter where we go, the enemy fears us. It should be. I mean, there's so many times when me and Salome walked into a shop or something, and I just feel, whew, I feel uneasy It's I was like, man, I don't like it anymore. I'll go. And so is it me having an effect? No, no. It's the spiritual realm in that place that doesn't like what we carry. that's not because, ooh, you're the pastor. No, no, no. I carry the same spirit as you carry. <laughs> we carry the same Holy Spirit, presence, Of God with us. We need to realize what we carry when we step into every place where we go to. Number three. So what does worship bring? Worship brings God's wisdom into our lives. It brings God's wisdom into our lives. Look at the scripture. It says, and David behaved wisely. Why? In all his ways and the Lord was with him. Because he was in God's presence, there was wisdom. Remember Solomon, I need that what my father is carrying. I need to know how to go out and come in. I need that wisdom. David behaved wisely. Look at uh, verse 14. Oh, sorry, there's just one verse. David behaved wisely. Remember what Solomon asked him. Lord, I need wisdom in my life. So Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived. But why again was he wise? Why again? Because he asked God to teach him what David knew. What his father knew. I need to know how my father did that. You see, yes, his father was a warrior. Come on, David was a mighty warrior. Which means his his father knew how to go out. David knew how to go to war. He knew how to be victorious. He knew how to be a warrior for God. But... David was also a worshipper. Which means he knew how to come in. He knew how to come in. And King Solomon growing up knew and saw his father. And he knew that there's something special that I need to be a great king like that. I need need to know how to go out. But I need more how to know how to come in. I need to know that. See if we need wisdom. Wisdom. In any situation, we have the Holy Spirit with us. Come on, David behaved wisely in all his ways because the Lord was with him. He didn't have the Holy Spirit. We have. We've got the Holy Spirit with us 24-7. Every moment of our lives. So Solomon, what did he do? He learned how to come into the presence of God. We need to learn how to step into God's presence so that when we don't leave the presence, but go with the presence. Go with what God has for us. And if we have a challenge at home or work, maybe you've got a challenge that comes from left field. Suddenly you walk in Monday morning and boom, challenge in your face. How do I handle this? We usually respond in wisdom because God gives wisdom. So how we respond with wisdom of God is by knowing. By knowing what? Knowing that we have the presence of God with us. Knowing that we go with the presence. His presence never leaves us. God is right there by our side. So living in the presence of God takes us to a new level of living. That's why we need the presence of God. We need His presence in our lives. We need it. But unfortunately, there's a problem in the body of Christ at the moment. And do you know what the problem is? Most Christians, believers, you know in them, they are waiting for the feeling. Lord, I'm going out, I'm facing this trouble, I've been in worship, I did read my Bible, but I don't feel Your presence on me today. So it must not be here. (laughs) Come on, I am very guilty in that one. Lord, I want to feel your presence. But see, all we need is this. We need to know it, then we need to believe it, and then we need to walk in it. I need to know that God is with me. I believe He is with me because I know His presence is with me every moment of my life. And then I need to just walk with it. When I walk into a situation, I would just say, "Father, thank you for being here. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to have the goosebumps in my life. I I, I know that you are with me, and your presence is with me." So let me end this morning. I want to end and go back to Solomon again. I want to show you something significant: how Solomon learned this thing in his life. Later in his life, Solomon was the wisest of all kings. And in all the countries, so that got out. People started talking. So the Queen of Sheba heard about it, and she thought, "Well, I'm going to pack up all my camels, get a big entourage, and I'm going to go to that man, and I'm going to see, I'm going to see what is what is he all about." So let's read that together. Two Chronicles nine. Let's read about what King the Queen of Sheba came to do. Now, when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions. Ever read that one? She came to test Solomon with hard questions, having a very retinue, that's an entourage, camels that bore spices, golds in abundance, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions, and there was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon uh, and the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, and his entry way by which he went up, to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. See, the queen of Sheba came all the way. It was a long way. To do what? To test him. I could just uh, see that conversation. I'm just going to go to that guy. They say he's the wise. I'm going to test him. Pack the camels. Let's go. We're going to test this guy. She wanted to see if he was really as wise as the world said he was. So when she saw all the wisdom and excellence of Solomon and his house, she was blown away. Blown away. But when she saw, and listen to this, when she saw the wisest, wealthiest man in the world bow his face to the ground and worship God, Guess what happened? All her arguments left. This is what the word says. There was no more spirit in her. She was like, my fight is gone. Isn't that powerful? See, when she saw the entryway of Solomon, him going into the presence of God, the thing that he asked God to help him with, remember? Remember? There was no more testing, no more fighting, no more thinking. There was a knowing. There was a knowing from her. You see, that's what we want. Come on. That's what we want in our lives. When the world comes to us with all the hard questions, with all their testing, oh, are you a Christian? Tell me about this. We had some of those two, three weeks ago. Had some tough conversations. And I realized, I need to be jacked up in certain theology. But people will come to it, the world will come to you with questions, with testing and they will receive the wisdom from your life when God answers you. But <laughs> we actually need them to see. We need the world to see the presence of God in our lives. That's what the Queen of Sheba saw on Solomon. We need the world, the world to see God's presence on us. That we're not just a little church and we go to the presence and we come back home and and then we go back to the presence. No, no. We are a church, a body of Christ, who go with the presence. We step out of our house with the presence because we have came in before we have gone out. What's important for us to know is that Every time we come into the presence of God, you know what? We will leave differently. You will leave different. Because there's just something that happens when God's presence shows up in our lives. You go from sad to glad. (laughs) From sick to be healed. From frowny face to smiley face. Come on. I've never seen someone who was in the presence of God in a meeting so heavily with the presence of God who walked out there the, the same. Yeah. They didn't, never looked sadder than they have came. Yeah. There was always more joy. That's where you come to church and after awesome worship service. words. I mean, it's amazing. You just go more glad home. I don't know if that's the right English. But you feel more Glad, happier. happier. Why? Because something happens in God's presence, and sometimes you feel, but I haven't felt it. But <laughs> you've been in God's presence. See, that's why it's essential to be worshippers of God. We need to be worshippers of God to make sure we step into His presence daily and go out with His presence daily. I don't know about you, but I need this. I need to go in and find that moment in His presence. And some mornings, I don't feel it, but I know God is with me. Some morning, I have like five minutes, open my Bible, and I start reading. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Walk out. 20 minutes later, I'm in a conversation, and God reminds me of the two scriptures I've read. And there was wisdom. Because I was in His presence. There's just moments where we can't get by... Because we've been in the presence. God never lets the good moments go by when you are drawing closer to Him. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage us today, again, like I've encouraged you, week one, week two. May we draw close to Him this week. Close that door. Take that five or ten minutes. If it's only five or ten, that's awesome. But if you only can crank up that worship music and just worship aloud, Dance in front of him in the shower, when no one sees you. But but just be exuberant before God. Just find that moment with him. I was driving one morning. As I close, uh, I was still in Potsdam, and I drove to Joburg the morning very early. And I was there was a um, just before you get to Soweto, coming going into Joburg. There was um, there was a, a traffic light, and I stood there, and there was a car in front of me but the whole car went like this i think i have told this testimony. but literally it's like looked like somebody like a toddler is jumping up and down in a car the whole car is going like this and i thought but there's no one in the car it's just the driver and i saw that the woman's hands are in the air and i thought man she is worshiping i could see that and as i was driving past her she was like one eye open, one eye closed, and she was worshiping, and her hand was outside and inside, and she was booging with the worship. I could just see. And I thought, man, Lord, that convicts me. She's on her way to work, but she's driving and worshiping in that car. No matter where you go, take the presence with you. Amen. Be intentional to draw close to Him. And we will see something incredible. Amen? Let's stand up, and I want to pray. And close the service this morning. Did the word drop somewhere in your heart this morning? Amen. Come on. That, that's what I'm trusting God. That, that we have moments where the word drops in our heart. And we start meditating on that. And if it doesn't drop too loud. Go and listen to it again. Go and listen to some of the podcasts. And, and let that word just drop in your heart. Let's pray together this morning. Father I thank you this morning. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for who you are. Lord, you are amazing. And Lord, we need, like Solomon, we need more of you. We need more of your presence, Father. We need to know how to go out. But first, Lord, we, know, we need to know how to come in. We need to know how to, how to find that entryway into your presence, Father. And Lord, help us to, to not take worship lightly anymore. But to see worship as an avenue to experience and step into your presence. And Lord, I pray this this Sunday, I pray for, for everyone here, Father. I pray that, that you will start to birth a new hunger in our hearts, Lord, for more of you. That we will not settle for a life without your presence anymore. We will step into that place of intimacy with you, Father. That's what we want. That's what we need. So, Lord, thank you for who you are and for the more of, of you in our lives. Lord, I pray for everyone here today, Lord, that are facing few challenges, are at war. I pray, Father, that you start to refresh them right now. If you are here this morning and you need a refreshing, why don't you just put your hand in your heart? I'm going to pray that, and trust God with you this morning, that as we pray that God's refreshing will come on you right now. We can pray for that. Ask for that. Say, Father, I need that refreshing moment this morning. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.